tenacious. How many of you know what that means? How many of you know someone tenacious? I mean, they just bite on and do not let go. How many are sitting close to a relatively tenacious person? That's right. There you go. Tenacious. I think God desires for us to be individuals that that continually press forward by the grace of God. I think there are those moments in which we pause and we sit and we listen to God, but I think for the most part, God desires that we continue to press in. Everything around you in the culture, in this life that we love is against you making a forward effort toward God. Every part of our culture, our society today, will do everything that they can because it's influenced by demonic spirit, antichrist spirit. And by the way, the antichrist spirit is alive and well today. Just no doubt about it. And we know that. You and I were never called to be individuals that just dance around. We were called to be militant. We were called to be committed. We were called to be faithful. We were called to be tenacious and to do everything that we could to see that the kingdom of God and the message of Jesus Christ went forward. If you read Hebrews chapter 11, you'll find tenacious people, individuals that did not regard their very life. They didn't get upset over little minuscule things that that may rock the world of the average person. They were so committed that they would literally give their lives, and many of them did. And to do that, you just have to say, by God's grace and God's mercy, I'm going to be and do everything that I can so that God is honored. April the 21st, 1519, the Spanish explorer Hernando Cortez sailed into the harbor of Veracruz, Mexico. And the story goes that he brought with him about 600 men. He had a, a grand total, I believe, of maybe 11 ships that came with him and supplies and things of that nature. And uh, he was vastly outnumbered, and it took two years before two other, two other events had taken place that sailed in to try to conquer, and they failed. But listen, oh, Hernando Cortez said, I'm going in, and we're going to do it. In two years, his men were there, and it wasn't long after the two years that actually he conquered Mexico. He conquered Montezuma and all the warriors there of the uh, Aztec Empire, and he won and said, we have now succeeded. And people ask, how did he do that? What made him different than the other two expeditions that came in and said, we're going to take the land? Well, the story goes, and it's a true story, that when he arrived in the harbor and everything was unloaded, he sent a, a group of individuals to the ships that they had sailed on to get to the harbor and set them on fire. Called everyone to take a look over the cliff, to look down in the harbor, and he said, take a look, and they watched their ships burn. It stirred them up, but it also brought a solid resolve. Hey, I'm telling you, we have no way out of here, and we have no way to escape. We can't go back home. We're going to have to settle in, and we're going to have to fight, and we're going to have to do everything that we can with a pure and solid resolve. We are going to have to be tenacious in the reason that we came here, and the conquest is ours. And once they saw that, their intensity to fight 
and to be tenacious ramped it up more than you could ever imagine two years and finally conquered and it was unbelievable that was the only option that they had you see faithfulness is simply sticking to it it's like that little sticky deal that you have and you ride on and you put it on there and you say, buddy, we, we have no options. Faithfulness for most of us in this regard is a verb. It's something we must do. If you're going to be an individual that does something well for Christ, you're going to have to be faithful. No preacher's going to call you up and say, now I want you to be here. No preacher's going to call you up and remind you of your duty and responsibility. Nobody's going to call you, no accountability partner, and say, you know, you're getting lax in your Bible study. If you are faithful, you don't need anyone to do that. You have made up your mind. You are tenacious. I know this is what I need to do to make a difference, and I'm sticking with it. Somebody say amen. It's remain, it remaining committed to a cause. You set the priorities of your life, the priorities of your family, and say, we're committed to the cause. And the cause is to do everything that we can to honor Almighty God. There are two Greek words that define faithfulness. One is pistis, that means to be assured. The other is patho, which means persuade and to trust and to be confident. That we can have confidence, I know God, in whom I have believed and I trust you. Here's point number one, the value of trust. Say that with me, the value of trust. If you have a relationship with no trust, that relationship will need a miracle to survive. I said if you have a relationship with no trust, that relationship will need a miracle to survive. It is the story that we have in our text tonight of Matthew 25 verse 14 Again, it's like the man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted, entrusted, served up on a silver platter and say, this is the purpose. I entrust my property to you. In this parable, Jesus is teaching to get the attention of those that have been listening. He's trying to awaken their spiritual understanding. He's talked to them about the signs of the end of the age. He's talked to them about the uncertainty of his return. If I leave, i got to tell you, there's an uncertainty. Nobody knows but the Father when I'm going to return. So you guys don't get weary in well-doing. It was the responsibility that while I'm gone, you're going to be reaching people. My message must not stop by my absence. It's important that you carry the torch that is lit and run the race that is set before you. He also said, there is a consequence if you miss the rapture of the church. How would you miss the rapture of the church? You decide not to be faithful. You decide to turn your back on God. You decide to walk away. You decide to live a different life. Your behavior is living a life for the Antichrist spirit, and you no longer are committed to Almighty God. You look at God and you blaspheme Him because you say that you do not need Him. And he said, be careful because the... The heartache of that is missing the rapture. Did you know the rapture could take place tonight? Some lady stopped me in the hallway earlier this morning, asked me about something, and I said to her, there is nothing that stands in the way of the rapture of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not one other thing. When Israel became an independent nation, that signed and sealed the deal. Now we know that the rapture can take place. There's nothing else that needs to happen for that, in fact, to take place. So the Scripture says, well, what 
What is the trust of God? He entrusted. It begs a great question. What is God entrusted to you? What's God entrusted to me? What is it that God considers value that says, I'm giving you this? How about redemption? I'd say he entrusted to us the valuable gift of redemption. How about his favor? He's entrusted it. How about his name? Don't mess my name up. Don't scar my name. I entrust you my name. I entrust you my reputation. But he's also entrusted us some very tangible things like life itself. Life itself. Without God's desire and his will, you'd stop breathing right now if he chose not to let you have the next breath. John 10, 10, he said, I've come that you may have life and that here you might have life to the fullest. He said, I entrust a life for you on this planet. Now, what are you going to do with that life? Is that life going to shine? Is that life going to make a difference? Is that life going to press in? Or is that life going to be one that the world would just simply not realize it if that life were not to exist any longer? He said, I entrust you health and healing. Health and healing, according to Jeremiah 30. He said, I'll restore you to health and I'll heal your uh, wounds. I'll give you opportunity all opportunity, any opportunity that you give, just nail this down. You had nothing to do with it. Well, I showed up at the right time and I planned it that way. Let me tell you something. The only reason you're thinking straight is God has given you a sound mind. And did you know what? Have you ever said these words? That person's half crazy. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? That person's half crazy. Do you know you can't even possess a sound mind? If God doesn't give you that sound mind, you say, well, that opportunity is something that I created. Don't ever take the credit of opportunity. Here's what he said, 3 John, the fifth chapter. Dear friends, you are faithful in what you're doing for the brothers. You are faithful doing what I called you to do. You took advantage of the opportunity I presented to you, even though those brothers are strangers to you. There's nothing that would cause you in the natural to want to help them other than the fact I gave you the opportunity and you did it because you realized that. Prosperity, we have the Psalms 1. He's like a tree planted by, by streams of water. The leaf will not wither. He's given you family, family. There are times that's more important to you than others. But think about what if you were Job and your family were to be wiped out just like that. Just like, I mean, gone. We can talk about our families all the time and may have ups and downs and quarrels, et cetera, but I don't know of anyone in their right mind that would say, I want my, fa- my whole family gone. So he says, hey, he took him outside in Genesis 15, 5. He said, so shall your offspring be. It'll be so numerous that you cannot count the stars in heaven. Your family is important. I've entrusted you your family. When you have kids, he said, train them up. Teach them the, what it means to be spiritual. Understand, that is a job and a task that we must never forget in Psalms 127, sons of a heritage are a heritage from the Lord, and children are a reward for him. And he said, now I've given you talents and gifts. Everybody's got a different talent and a different gift. 
What about spiritual gifts, brothers, in 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 4? I don't want you to be ignorant. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. So he said, I've entrusted you ability to lead. Are you leading in the kingdom? I've entrusted an ability to, uh, to sing, an entrusted ability for music, entrusted ability to discern, trusted the ability to make finance, trusted the ability. Are you using that talent and that gift? And is it noticeable, is it noticeable to those in which you worship with. I get opportunities to fill out references for people all the time. And individuals, I don't know, I see cut IT, check on their attendance, check on their giving, and Renee sometimes check Renee, and let's see if we can get a picture, et cetera. And when we look on attendance to say, well, they're there about one time every month, you know, every other month they're there, et cetera. And what they want is a sterling, and they want a sterling reference from the pastor that they are straightforward, godly people. Do you know how hard it is? To say, you know what, if I did what I ought to do, I just write in bold letters, I don't know this person from Adam. Did you know how wonderful it is to have to fill out a reference from someone that you know, someone that you trust, someone that you say, so I know where they serve. They're in the men's department. They're in the choir. They're ushering. They're, they're out there doing something. They're working in the youth department. They work over at the school. They're there. Do you know what? God also has a pristine record of all of our activities. Amen. So he said, I've given it to you. Now I've trusted it to you. What are you supposed to do with it? Somebody say it. Use it for the kingdom of God. Y'all with me? Psalms 24, verse 1, the Lord, or the earth is the Lord's and everything in the world, all who live in it. We sometimes forget that everything belongs to God. Everything. It's all His. It's all His. It's all His. Anything that we have is because God entrusted it with us. The community in which we live, the friends, the freedom. The church, even our faith, is a gift from God. And sometimes we forget the magnitude of the trust God has given to us. And whatever we possess as a steward involves a, a trust covenant from God. It said, I trust you enough. Here, son, you just got your driver's license. I just bought a brand new Mercedes. Now listen, here are the keys. I want you to get out there and be gone for at least three hours and just enjoy that vehicle. I entrust this vehicle to you. Here are the keys, okay? You know the speed limit. You get out there and do the speed limit. And that person is 16 years old. How many of you would say, well, now, I don't know. Here's what God gave. He gave you a whole life. And gave you the keys to the kingdom. And he said, I entrust my name to you. Get out there and get the job done. To trust and to believe. And God is faithful to give each of us that opportunity to entrust and to say, show me, show me. You ever heard that? Show me the money. You remember that? Show me what it is you're going to do. Now, it's important. Number two, the fear of risk. How many of you are risk takers? May I see your man? How many are not risk takers? How many don't know what you are? You know, 
You're going to call 1-800-something to find out what your DNA is, you know. Who knows? But here it is, Matthew 25, verse 18. But the man who received the one talent went off. He dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Then the man who had received the one talent came, Master, he said, I knew that you're a hard man, harvesting wherever you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. I didn't risk, I didn't exercise faith, I was afraid, I was timid, and I knew you were a hard person. How many of you know that God is a merciful, grace-filled God? And then let me ask you this, how many of you know He can be hard from time to time? He can be hard. But most of the time, he gives us that grace. The young woman brought her fiancé home to her parents. They were well-to-do. After dinner, the mother looked at the father and said, Would you take him to your study and get to know this young man? He took him to the study. The father sat back. He was an executive, and he said, Son, what are your plans? What are your plans if you have interest in my daughter? The young man said, I am a Bible scholar. The dad said, hmm, a Bible scholar. That's admirable, of course, but um, here's what I want to know. Um, what will you do to provide the house that my daughter will desire to live in that she's accustomed to now? And the young man said, I will study, and God will provide. He will provide. Okay, that's beautiful. Well, son, let me ask you another question. When children come along, he said, uh, how will you support any of the children that, that you have? The young man said, oh, sir, don't worry. God will provide. He will provide. Well, later in the evening, the girl's mother asked her father, well, how did it go with the young man? The father said, well, it's according to how you look at it. He said, number one, he has no job. He has no plans. But the good news is he thinks I'm God. Because <laughs> we are not going to let our daughter down. You see, the question is, what was the attitude of the unfaithful servant? It was the attitude of fear and faithlessness. Fear and faithlessness. The hard man. Our country has gotten to the place that we are not borderline faithless. We are across the line in the lack of having faith to honor and to please God in the United States of America the country God founded. Faith. Faith involving living your faith. Oh, I'm a professing believer. Well, your behavior doesn't look like it. 
Well, I want you to know, well, I, but I am a Christian. Okay, but are you making any difference as a Christian? And which push comes to shove, do you stand up and you sacrifice yourself so that the kingdom of God can move forward so that your children see the kind of tenacity in you that says, we don't, we don't put up with mediocrity in our house as it relates to God. We press in. We have family altar. That's important to us. But you don't understand, Johnny's got little league, little league practice, Susie's got dance practice, and then mom, she's got the spa she's got to go to, get the pedicure, the manicure, and the face all done, and dad, he's got to go down to the gym. I don't know what he does there, because when you look at him, it doesn't look like it's helping him at all. We've got all that stuff. We just don't have time. You know when people get time? When they run into a problem they cannot solve and it's life and death and all of a sudden, buddy, the gym doesn't matter, the manicure doesn't matter, the little league doesn't matter, the dance lesson doesn't matter. It says we are all in. Almighty God, we need your help. And you know what God says? Because my grace and my mercy, I'm going to move. But you have been faithless. You have not been faithful. That's a hard message. In 1863, Abe Lincoln said, we have, talking about our nation, we have been the recipients of, of the choicest bounties of heaven. And we have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. And we certainly as a nation have grown in numbers and wealth and in power like no other nation has ever grown. But he said, now this was 1863. From his perspective, he said, we've forgotten God. 1863, we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched us and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our heart that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Mistake, he said, intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and, and the pers persevering grace and too proud to pray to the God that made us. In 1863, I say we're worse off now than we were then. It's faithfulness. What about the servant? What about him? His security was in the gift not in the master. He tried to protect it. The old saying, what happens if the water reservoir has no outlet? What happens to the water? It gets, starts with an S, stagnant. No flow. It becomes stagnant in our life, in our behavior, in our families. If we have no outflow, of the blessing and favor of God and there is no outflow, we will become stagnant. We will become confused. We will become hard-hearted. Before long, we will have no fruit. Before you know it, other things will just impede in our growth in the Lord God Almighty and we'll find ourselves lukewarm. And you know what Jesus said about lukewarm in the writing of Revelation? He said, I'd rather you be hot and rather you be what? cold than to be what? Lukewarm. Lukewarm. You just never give up. He failed to see the trust of the landlord. He was called lazy and selfish. He's motivated by fear because he had no faith. 
You see, someone has said, don't be afraid to go out on a limb. He said, that's where the fruit is. It's important. Fear is the dark room where negatives are developed. Fear is the dark room. I, I just came through, coming through a season in my own life that everything that, everything seemingly that could happen to bring me immobile uh, did. Uh, challenge of eyesight, challenge as a result of that, of the, of the hernia, and then the basal cell carcinoma, and I've, I've got a few others around, and we'll get those taken care of. It's amazing what my face is going to look like when we get all done. But there are days I, I had to fight, just had to fight to keep from breaking down. I know in whom I have believed. God, I know you're able. And you know what one of the encouragements was? You. It was you. Knowing that God's blessing our church. It was our church board and staff that got together on a Tuesday night and just specifically prayed for me. And I'm telling you, that time of prayer made all the difference in the world by the grace of God. We, under, we understand that. God gave us opportunities. His perception of the master was a reflection of his own heart. He never took ownership of the gift, and he missed the opportunities. God said, I'll give you opportunities, but he said, you're going to have to hunt for them. And when you go through those trials, you're hunting for what it is that God wants to share with you. It's like a child having the parent's permission to be able to prove their maturity and trustworthiness, and the student, the child just decides to say, I'm not going to take a chance of that opportunity. He was a fearful investor, had guaranteed success, but played it safe and did not, did not venture out. Didn't venture out. Satan, I rebuke you. Get thee behind me in the name of Jesus. In your feeble, carnal nature, you will say, so what? But if you believe that the anointing of the Holy Ghost is on you and in you when you say that, you have no idea how that intimidates the liar and the stealer of your joy. It causes him to shudder. You believe it? In Jesus' name. We remain faithful, but when are we faithful? We're faithful in the day-to-day -day routine of our life because there will come a time when the storm will be so great that you'll look back on your catalog to faithfulness and you'll say, I'm glad I stuck in there. I'm glad I was tenacious. Young man applied for the job as a farmhand. The farmer asked him his qualifications and the answer to the young farmhand was, hey, I can sleep in the middle of a storm. Well, the old farmer, he was puzzled by that, but he sure needed to hire somebody, so he hired him because he liked him. A few days later, in the middle of the night, the farmer awakened and his wife, because there was a violent storm, lightning, the wind was blowing. It was unbelievable. They quickly got up and began to walk around the house and with their light, and they saw that the house was secure that the shutters on the farmhouse had been securely fastened in place. There was a good supply of logs near the fireplace, and 
And the young man, they went and looked in. He, he was sleeping soundly. No problem with him. He was at peace. They decided to go out to the barn and go out to the stalls and check that. And they noticed that all the tools were properly stored and put up. They noticed that, that those cattle that were pregnant, the cows, and getting ready to deliver were in the stalls where, where they, they belonged. They found the shed was closed up like it was supposed to. And all the animals were calm and well fed. And then the farmer understood the meaning of the young man's statement. I can sleep when the wind blows. Why? Because he had been faithful on a day-to-day -day basis of being loyal, doing what he should do, not getting lazy, not being filled with apathy, and woke up every day and say, these are the priorities of my life. And I want to do them because one day a storm will come. And when it comes, I want to know that I built a reservoir of faithfulness in Almighty God. And when the master gives me talents, I don't want to take the one talent and run out and bury it in the ground because I am afraid I'm going to go out and I'm going to multiply mine five times. I'm going to multiply mine three times more. I'm going to do everything that I can to make a difference. Listen, friend, there are storms brewing in our country. There are storms that are coming our way that you and I would not believe and it is an antichrist spirit the church must not shrink down we need to be building muscle now we need to be rising up now we need to be building a testimony now we need to be bold more than we could ever believe we need to be able to stand in the gap and say that will not happen in the name of Jesus Christ we don't need to run we need to stand up and get people of faith and stand strong in our commitment to Jesus Christ and say I know whatever happens my God God will not forsake me. I am ready for whatever comes in the name of Jesus Christ. Put your hands together. It's true. Finally, the reality, Matthew 25, 29. It's the reality, everyone who, has, who will be given more, and he will have an abundance, but whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. I either use it or I, I lose it. And God expects us to take that strong stand. Listen, I know when I talk about coming to church, I have some people that will say, I wish he'd shut up. I know that. But you know what that does to me? It convicts me to say it must be a good message. You can't expect everybody to appreciate the message that you give. Did you know that? But you know what I'm bound by? By the word of the living God in me as a call minister of the gospel to simply tell it like it is in love and say, this is the way, walk ye in it. If you like it, go for it. If you don't, I am so sorry. We're going to love you anyway. Amen? I'm not in the business of prissing around and tiptoeing through the tulips. Time is too short, and there are too many people that are lost and need a loving Savior, and His name is Jesus Christ. He is not a weak arm of God. He is the strong arm of Judah. Amen. And when you meet Him, your life will be forever changed by the grace of God. And God expected those who He's blessed, given the opportunity to produce, to reproduce the blessing. How did he deal with those, that non-productive servant? You lazy, you are so lazy, 
called him wicked, told him he lost money for him, called him worthless, and threw him into destruction, Matthew 25, and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Why? Because he has not been trustworthy of the trust that I gave him. You must not be led by a culture that doesn't understand the principles and priorities of living for God. And you must not be persuaded by those who are professors of the faith, but their behavior has no semblance of the fruit of the Holy Spirit in their life. Did you hear that? You cannot be led by that. If you are, you will miss what God has called you to do a country mile. Turn to somebody and say, Amen. Amen. Well, what happened to those that were faithful? They produced according to their level of giftings. They displayed their faithfulness through hard work. They were creative with their talents. They, know, they were noted for their faithfulness. And they were blessed because of their efforts. And the master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. That's what he says. Now, when will we receive the greatest reward that we could ever imagine beyond imagination when we stand before him and we about at his feet? And he says, well done. And then he opens the book of life. And he says, look at the works that you did that impacted my kingdom to reach more lost people than ever. I see here you invited Leroy to church. And Leroy came and gave his heart to Jesus. And you stuck with him and mentored him. And I noticed that Leroy now is a faithful person in my kingdom. You stood strong when that little widow over there was in trouble and nobody mentioned it to you, but I spoke to your heart and you listened and you knew it was my voice. And though you didn't have a lot to give, you reached over there and you gave her some hope with a helping hand and a little bit of revenue and it brought hope to her life and her world changed just because you intervened. Y'all with me out there? Big, big different difference makers by the grace of God. He gives blessing and opportunities to us. He gives us promises. He gives us a plan to guide us, and he will. He also will protect our efforts. 2 Thessalonians 3, 3, but the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. You see, a faith that hasn't been tested cannot be trusted. World Missions Week is coming up next Sunday, and it'll run for two Sundays and a Wednesday night. And we'll be tested and say, God, we're going beyond what we could imagine. And we're praying for every missionary and every ministry that we support faithfulness this coming Saturday, our own dream center. We have other churches now that are engaged and they'll have a couple hundred people that'll come on that Saturday that their church engages. 
And so we came down to help the Dream Center. Some of them don't connect that to us, but they just come and say, and that's okay. We ought to make a difference. But you see, opportunity comes, and God says, this is an opportunity to test your commitment and your faith. Are you tenacious? Are you tenacious? An American tourist was in Southeast Asia. He took a picture of a site that really moved his heart. It was a picture of an older man behind an old wooden plow. Instead of an oxen pulling the plow, it was a young man. He found out later it was the older man's son pulling that plow with all of his energy. Sweat streaming down his face and his arms, his eyes sweaty. He took a picture of that and thought, wow, how unbelievable, how blessed am I. When he got to the next little community, he asked the missionary there. He said, you know, coming, I saw this. I saw an elderly man behind a wooden plow with a young man pulling that plow. He said, that is just so sad. He said, it's not sad to them, sir. He said, they are the best members that we have in our little church. He said, when we raised revenue, money, to build a little building where our church could meet, they didn't have any money. But they did have an oxen, one. And they decided that they needed to do their part. And they brought their oxen to me and said, this is all we have. Somehow or another, God will help us and we'll still make it. He said, so that's why you see the young man pulling the plow, because they gave the animal that used to pull it to the church so that a building could be built. And he said, may I say to you, they're the most faithful family in our little church. He says, is that a true story? Absolutely. What that means is sometimes we have the privilege of being behind the, behind the plow to give it guidance and, and keep it on a straight furrow. Sometime God says, I want you to come from behind the plow and I want you to harness up and I want you to pull it. You see, here's what the Bible says to all of us in our walk with Jesus Christ. And he makes this statement and how scriptural is it? It says, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back or digging a hole and hiding the talent is fit for the kingdom of God. Matthew 21, therefore I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce fruit. May that never be said about God's church, and may it never be said about you or me and Victory Church. May we remember that we are called for a purpose, and we need to dig in and say, listen, tenacity is the name of the game. I'm hanging in there. Amen? Would you stand to your feet? Father, we thank you. We have a lot of things to pray about. We have families that are lost. We have families that really come to church haphazardly who used to be absolutely faithful and they started skipping a service here and there and, and now they really don't even go. They simply don't. Some of them are looking in tonight and watching 
Because God, they know that they ought to be listening to something. We need to pray for those people. It was never, never asked that they cause an absence of meeting together with family and friends for worship. God, we've got young people that are lost, that are wavered, that are rebellious. Their mom and dad have no idea what they're into. God, no idea. And then, Lord, we've got Halloween coming up this coming Wednesday night. And on the television are some of the programs that are just despicable, that are bloody, that are scary, that's unbelievable. God, we pray for our young people that mom and dads will be alert to what their students are watching and not just give them a room with a television in it, but God, we will guard them and guard their minds so that they are not exposed to the pure power of evil in the midst of their television. God, I pray, oh God, we need to pray for what's going on in the caravan. We need to pray for what's going on in Pittsburgh. We need to pray for the leaders of our nation, our president. We need to pray, God, for one another. We need to pray for people like Myrna Brown and others that are sick in their body and they're fighting for everything that's in them. We need to continue to pray that you would touch Victoria Hague and others like her. We need to pray for Bob Hudson at the loss of his wife, God. We need to lift them up. We want to be tenacious. We don't want to say, I just want to pray and forget it. We need to dive in and dig in and believe God because when we do, the hand of God will move in a mighty revival of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, we claim that promise. For it is not by might nor by power but by the Spirit. I said, by the Spirit of Almighty God. Amen. Would you repeat this prayer after me? Dear Heavenly Father, Dear Heavenly Father I, need to repent. I need to repent. I need to ask you for forgiveness. I have not been on track. I've not been focused. I have allowed lies, have allowed lies to come into my mind, into my and mind. I have believed them. I have, believed I have backed up. When God said move up, and I have forsaken opportunities that you gifted to me. But tonight, I stand on your word, and I give you my heart, I give you my life, I give you my spirit, and I declare to you, no longer will the enemy have influence in my life. In Jesus' name, I repent of my sin. And I will trust you will trust no matter what. In Jesus' name, amen. Put your hands together and let's thank him. Would you do that? Our altar workers are here. Our altar workers are here for a purpose. If you need prayer, we do not want to leave tonight. Holy Spirit of God, you are able to touch those who are obedient in their life. They're those. There is no power that's beyond your abilities to survive that will cause you to fail your God. Stand strong, be obedient, be trustworthy. Look unto Him when the enemy comes to dim your vision. Look unto him when he pours the lies into your mind and into your heart and declare the truth. 
Look to Him when it seems that no one else is around and you believe that you can back away and no one will know. He knows. He trusts you. He will lift you up into places that you could never imagine. But listen carefully. Listen carefully. His hand is upon you. Don't let that hand be removed. Father, we thank you now for your Holy Spirit. Lead us and guide us and give us grace. Once again, give you an opportunity to respond as we sing before we give the benediction. If you just feel like it, say, you know what? I just feel like I need to go in the altar. I don't necessarily need anybody to pray. I just think I need to get down there. Will you do that too? All right, here we go. We're going to sing and give you an opportunity to respond, my friend. Here we go. Holy Spirit of God. For from you are all things, and to you are all things. You deserve You know, if you're in this room tonight, we're going to continue to sing this song, but I'm, I'm going to listen to the Lord. If God lays someone on your heart in this room right now, you say, I just want to go over and fellowship with them and pray for them. Got to lay them on your heart right now, right now. Or you're out there and you say, you know what, I, I would appreciate if someone just came over right where I'm at and just laid their hand, whispered a prayer for me. So if you want a little prayer, someone to come to your aid, raise your hand. Or if God directs you without a hand being raised, I'm going to ask you to slip out right now and be obedient to the Lord. And let's let the church minister 
to the church. Can we do that? Let's see what happens. There is a strong presence of the Holy Ghost in the house. Sing it with us again. Would you do that? Let's be obedient to the Lord. You are worthy of Need prayer? Get that hand up. We'll pray for you. You are worthy of Thank you, Jesus. Look around. Somebody got their hand. Get with them. Heavenly Father, we've committed ourselves to you and presented ourselves to you. We open the congregation up to be led by the Spirit to move in ministry. God, that is a beautiful experience when we are used by the Holy Ghost to be able to minister to someone else all because you spoke. And God, those that may have a need that no one knew about and and they just chose not to come. Your grace reached out to them and said, I'll come to right where you are. If they raise their hand, God, you reach down through someone else and touch them. And here's what I know. You have so much more that you desire to give Victory Church than we could ever imagine. And we know the enemy is fighting tooth and toenail, but we know this. Greater is he that is in us than the lies of the enemy. And we declare revival. As we go into our missions conference next week, let that revival break forth in the name of Jesus Christ. May there be a curiosity in the hearts of all of us that says, God, what more do you have? And we claim it and we will be tenacious about continuing to press in. We give you praise, honor, and glory. And everybody that's breathing said, amen. We're going to continue to worship another five minutes. God bless you. If you want to be reseated, if you want to leave, whatever it is you want to do, be led by the Spirit.